Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. For free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Thursday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us around the state this afternoon, whatever station you might be listening on. Or, of course, if you're listening online, welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss. And, of course, our program, and we appreciate Dickie's very much. They're open seven days a week right next to the mall in Hattiesburg, uh, serving delicious food uh, seven days a week, drive through, take home. Not sure if they've opened their uh, dining room yet, but we'll find out about that and let you know. We do know, though, that you can enjoy Dickie's delicious food seven days a week, and uh, we urge you to support our local restaurants and uh, help keep those guys going through this very difficult time. Kelly Sander will be joining us later in the program. Lots of uh, NCAA news to talk about. But first, we bring an old friend onto the show. In fact, I've known this guy so long. Luke, I knew this guy when he was a young pup coming right out of college into television. And now, all these years later, we're still friends. And Mitchell Williams is a grandfather. That is how much time has passed. Yes. 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 Welcome to the show, Mitchell. Well, it's good to hear your voice again, Scoop and Luke. Hello, brother. Hope everything's well. Well, we're good. good. To be in the land of um, of brothers, man. Just good folk in in, in a challenging time. It's no kidding, Mitchell. Here. It is challenging, and it's been challenging in so many ways. We've talked about so many different angles uh, in the last few months. Uh, how COVID nineteen has affected athletics, but certainly it's it's had an effect on the fellowship of Christian athletes. We should point out, Mitchell is the area director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and uh, represents Southern Miss with that great organization, all the junior colleges in our area, and, of course, very, very much involved uh, in high school sports. Mitchell, in in a nutshell, how has COVID-19 affected the young athletes all over South Mississippi that you're so close to? My goodness. Wow. Um, It's been huge. Um, We've seen seen some good things. Uh, because of the pandemic, and one of those is that uh, kids now won't take for granted just that they can go play ball. That's a good thing. I think sometimes in this entitlement uh, environment we're in, sometimes our, our kids think that, and sometimes even our young coaches think that, okay, we could just go out and play. Well, what if that was taken away? Now I think there'll be a more of an appreciation. More, of, more of I've talked to a number of coaches and and kids. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The negative things uh, have been not haven't been real, real good at all. We've lost two kids by their own hand because they were isolated student athletes mm. uh, in my region, which goes from Meridian to the coast. And we've got coaches, wonderful coaches, who wonder what would have happened if they were able to be around other peers 
and we've we've had to deal with that. And then I, the other part of that is that I guess the, which is we, we won't know really the uh, how how all gonna, how it's all going to evolve or fall out, but the ec- economic impact on these lowly rural schools once the pandemic is finished. Mm-hmm. It's going to be significant, I think. And, and and they're already trying to prepare for it, but I don't think we've got a, a really good scope at what that looks like. So for us at FCA, it's been it's been crazy because we're we're steadily on the phone and um and I think Luke school all of us would be rich if we had him had invented Zoom, right? If we had invented right. Zoom. That's no kidding. <laughs> That's no so, kidding. Uh, we're, we're steadily, my day starts at 6.30 in the morning, and usually I'm done about 5 on Monday through Friday, and a lot of it is just trying to catch up. And then now, this what um, uh, Luke was talking about earlier, about now we've got kids coming back to campus on June 1st. That's going to be interesting. Why? Because we got kids out of shape. <laughs> we got kids, we don't know that nutritionally, we don't know. We got a number of kids that uh, I know I've got to see because of things that have happened in the time they were, they were away during the spring and the summer. And I think the meeting today is, Luke, you can correct me, I think today is the day that the Mississippi High School Activities Association was to meet today to decide if student athletes and coaches can go back to campus of our high schools in Mississippi. So by June 1st. So we got a lot of things happening and a lot of things moving. And we've seen some good, but we've seen some real, real negative stuff. And I think still the impact is yet to come. Right, Luke? Yeah, Mitch, what you were talking about was uh, the NCAA uh, Council yesterday uh, basically uh, voted to approve voluntary athletic activities for football, men's basketball, women's basketball to start June the 1st and go through June 30th. Uh, there had been a uh, uh, cancellation of that that went through May 31st. So the good thing is, big news today is, there will be um, athletes back on campus, and I think we'll unpack that a little later in the show. But, but Mitch, because you interact with uh, you know athletes so much, and you know you uh, being a chaplain for the Southern Miss football team, as guys start get, as you start being able to see people face to face, what is your message going to be? Uh, to a group of men that really have never faced anything like this. You know, this is a once-in-a-generation uh, episode. You were not born to play sports. Uh, that's going to be the number mm-hmm. one thing, is that your your whole work is not that field or any of that. God gave you the talent to play or participate, but you're not, that is not... What your, what your, your talents and your abilities that you're given does not give you uh, any license to say that this is uh, some some God. You're, you've been given an opportunity to get an education, get an education, get your education, get your education. You've been given the talent to go play ball, but bigger than anything else, you were made on purpose for something else. And that's number one on the top of the list, Luke. I mean, just bringing them back to this, because they've been removed from it, and sometimes... Uh, more than not, uh, the sports, which we all love, has been more of a driving narrative for them than what happens on the inside. And so our hope is, I mean, with reckless abandon for us and around our our state, for a number of our, our folks at FCA, when we hit that campus, 
just to kind of bring back, hey, hey, we're great, we're glad to see you back. But the headlines and the highlights and all this stuff does not define who you are. Right. And uh, we, we we got some miles to go until we get out of this or maybe kind of adapt to this new norm. But it does not lessen your value to the Lord at all. You know, I hate to ask you this, Mitchell, but uh, I think it's a important fact. Uh, true or not true, not all of these kids who have been isolated from school and isolated from all their athletic associates, not all of them go back to a loving, warm, caring home like some kids do. So for many, the uh, the isolation is worse than for others. Am I right about that? Scoop, you nailed it. I mean, even from just simple things like eating, you would think college athletes, uh, they would eat well. Well, take them away from that environment. We've got kids that don't eat. Mm. They don't. They weren't eating at home while they're in high school, when they get to college, things are better. They know that they can go and to the commons and get them. We got kids that don't eat, and they're kids that play on Saturdays that do not have a regular routine of eating. So that, praise the Lord, will, will return um, some sense of structure, which is so needed. They need that. They need structure. Mm-hmm. And in some of the environments, that they're at an atmosphere. They don't have a structure. So here comes that coach, uh, which Billy Graham says is the most influential, can influence more people in a year than most of us in a lifetime. That coach says, hey, look, I love you, but here's structure. Let's do this. Let's walk through this together. Um, I can't wait to see that happen mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. It'll save lives and then help um, keep some things out the headlines, so to speak. And even some things that we never even hear about because right. they get that structure back. All right, we're going to hold Mitchell over. You got time, Mitch, to uh, do another yes, sir. Okay, Absolutely. we're going to hold Mitchell over. One thing I want to talk to you about, and you can hold this thought till after the break because we're under 30 seconds. But uh, back in my years when I was doing high school football play by play up in the Delta, I, I went to a lot of impoverished areas where it always appeared to me that the school was the center of the community and that the football coaches were as much father figures to the athletes as coaches. And maybe maybe even more. So I want you to think about that and and tell me how important when we come back it's going to be to get those relationships back face-to-face. We're talking to Mitchell Williams, Area Director, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Kelly Sander is next. Just like an old reunion today, Mitchell. Uh, All of us, bro. We need to do it more often. All right. We'll be right back. I wasn't born when any of you worked together. I just want to throw that out there. Welcome back. Glad you're with us this afternoon on the Eagle Hour, wherever you're listening. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. 
biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel you'll find anywhere. You can order it online seven days a week at campusbookmartmart.net, or you can go back to visiting the great store right there on Hardy Street across from the Southern Miss campus. Kelly Sander coming up later in the program right now. We're talking to the area director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and our longtime buddy Mitchell Williams. And Mitchell, before we went into the break, I mentioned to you uh, my observation uh, doing high school football years ago up in the Delta and how how vital I, I don't even know how to use the right word to describe how important it appeared to me these men were that were coaching these uh these young guys and you know in, in places like uh well you name it Kosciuszko, drew hollandale you know the small kind of impoverished areas up in the north and central part of the state how important mitchell is it to get those relationships back intact there's no replacement for it school I mean, not in, not here in Mississippi particularly. Three quarters of all the kids, both male and female, right around seventy-three percent of our kids that play ball, come from a home where there's just one parent, mm-hmm. just one parent in Mississippi. The kids that play ball, and so you put those children in that environment, you have that coach, male or female, that is sitting there at the center in the gap that's preventing a lot of things that have nothing to do with the scoreboard. I can tell you by walking alongside football players at the University of Southern Mississippi in the last five years, there's stuff you'll never, ever hear about some kids because of what Jay Hobson is. What Jay Hobson is. Mm-hmm. He's a head football coach, but he's as paternal as you can find. Mm-hmm. And he, just, he has this ability young, to, to, to love on young people. And meet them where they are. And his own life experiences are so similar to some of them. Because he's from Mississippi. He's from a, he, he was raised rurally, so to speak. He's been in so many different environments. He knows so much. I've seen him put out a lot of fires by just being coached. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with a block or pancake or, you know, a toss sweep or a touchdown or a field goal. It has nothing to do with it. It did sustain life at the time. Right. Right. So, and there are coaches everywhere. Yesterday, I was looking at our where we were looking where we were uh, where we used to work at WDM TV. They had a story, and they were serving food outside this high school. And there was Coach Anthony Dillon of North Forest standing out there. He mm-hmm. knows all the kids. Mm-hmm. He knows all of them. He's just a football coach slash athletic director, but he knows everybody. He's invaluable. You can't you can't purchase it at the dollar store. Right. So they love on kids that come in those offices with all kinds of different issues. And that's the beauty of sports, Bob. It's the beauty of sports that we have coaches that, that help raise our children. Um, while we, you know, even times like this, they, they, they're really more so even at the forefront. Right. Luke? Mitch, one of those uh, coaches that we love at Southern Miss, John Stewart, uh, track and field, uh, done an outstanding job, has brought Southern Miss track and field in the last uh, few years to the national stage. Uh, one of the high jumpers uh, for, this, for the Eagles this year uh, was top three in the country. Um, John Warren uh, just set record upon record upon record. Uh, you know, the, the future is kind of unsure uh, across uh, the country right now, and, and Southern Miss would not want to lose a track and field. Nothing been suggested of that sort, but when you see Central Michigan cancel their men's track and field, uh, we were talking about other schools that have done that, and some of the Olympic sports in some programs and universities are getting scrapped. It, it just it, It's a shame because I know that pr- 
program specifically means so much to you as an individual, as a former student athlete? Lucas, no doubt. We've seen it. We've seen it before. Um, when I was running track, we 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 uh, I got there the year after track was implemented at the southern, at Southern Mississippi. Uh, since the days of Father uh, Jimmy Havard back in the fifties, when they had a track around Robert Stadium a long time ago, and if and um, track was implemented uh, under Coach Marshall Bell back in nineteen seventy nine. And then, y'all remember? Do y'all, you, y'all? I know you might not remember, Luke, but that was a time when uh, Southern Mississippi went through a hard budget cut, and track and field was cut. Men's track and field was cut, and the only thing it had was cross country, and women's track and field was could 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 remain. And you just said it. I mean, right now we're just hoping and praying. I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but I was. Looking at it, saw that Akron eliminated men's cross country. FIU is cutting its men's tr- indoor track and field program. And um, there's this talk that East Carolina is looking into it. And um, Old Dominion just pulled a plug on wrestling. So those minor sports, you know, everybody's got to look at it because this, that budget line is going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. Um, because of you know everybody's been out of play for the last eight weeks, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Another uh, sport at Southern Miss that everybody's just really fired up about right now. How about this uh, incoming recruiting class from Jay Ladner and his staff with men's basketball? We we on this show, particularly Bob and I. Kelly's been really excited. Uh, just we may see some run and gun old school MK Turk stuff now with these horses that are coming in. Well. I, for any of us, I know uh, we're not we're not surprised because of who Jay is. <laughs> I remember not just when he was playing ball at the university, but we got a good look at him when he was coaching at Jones and how they played. And if there's, I don't know if there's any video or YouTube of how they played or what, but good gracious, when he had horses, they were difficult, difficult to defend. And then they had athletic folk all over the place that could make up room when you had to have help on defense. Uh, that was the Jay Ladner team that I saw at Jones when they won the national championship. And if he ever gets horses, they're going to be good. i tell you this, Tay Hardy at Pearl River, I saw him play uh, five times and saw, through, and saw the, um, the state tournament. He is a headache. Uh, he is a headache to deal with. He can... He can play slow. He can play smart. He is uh, all fast. He can see the whole court. And, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I think there's going to be more kids coming his way because Jay knows some of everybody, everybody. And uh, that's a, that's to, um, to Southern Mississippi's advantage, I think. And uh, Luke, uh, Luke and uh, Mitchell, let's point out, Tay Hardy's a 4.0 student. Yeah, in computer programming at Pearl River, we've had him on the show, Mitch. He's a he's an extraordinarily impressive young man. He's a heck of an addition to the basketball program. He's sharp, and you know when Pearl River, of course, Pearl River, you know, was ranked number one in the country before the pandemic, and at the heart of that team was that point guard. Mm -hmm. And he's just everybody got the ball when they needed the ball. And he could dissect and really pretty much figure out what everybody else is doing. And, uh, of course, Coach Oney, Chris Oney is one of the best coaches in the country. 
But, you know, Tay, uh, he'd tell everybody that Tay was the captain of that ship. 28-0, and 0, the only team ever in Mississippi to finish undefeated and win the state title, the Region 23 title, and then not have a chance to win the national title. Kind of like you were when you were the point guard years ago on the old WDAM basketball team, right? <laughs> distributing that ball, weren't you? <laughs> well, yeah, distributing the ball with, with no wins and tons of losses. <laughs> and, yeah. no, and nobody could score that you got the ball to. It was really a <laughs> it was really a pitiful sight. Uh, Something All right, Mitchell, we got ninety seconds left. We Kelly has expressed his opinion to us. He fears there will be. No high school football this fall. But you seem to have a different perspective on, on what we can anticipate uh, when football season rolls around. I believe we're going to play. I really literally believe that we're going to play. And the youngest of us are the most healthy of us. And there's a lot of factors in all of this. And, you know, I may end up being totally wrong, but I just believe this. If there's any way that those kids can play, it's going to happen, and I'm going to tell you why. I why I believe is because it's not because it's football, or if it's soccer or softball or basketball, not because of that, so to speak. But the healthy interaction they have uh, in in the element which we just call sports, Mississippi, we thrive on it in that that we're able to uh, to, to relate to each other where we're at, and in high school sports helps us with that. It helps create that atmosphere. And my hope is that if we don't have some second rising of something, that we're going to be okay. I just, I'm just believing the Lord that we will for the, for, for, uh, the environments around our schools to keep our kids moving mm. and they don't be isolated where we can, where we might have all kind of different issues. All right, 10 seconds. Do you think we'll see football with or without fans? And if so, why? I think that we will have football with fans, but it, it might be later or it might be early, but I think we'll have football with fans um, for certain. And that's high school and college both? High school and college, junior high, peewee. I'm not saying they might be packed stadiums, but I think we'll have people in the stands. All right. I hope Kelly's you're right. never been wrong before, Mitch. Kelly has <laughs> never. never been wrong According before. According to so Kelly. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly According right. to Kelly, he's never been wrong. Hey, Mitchell, always a privilege to have you on the show, man. Always a good talking to you, my old friend, and I hope you stay safe. Love both of you. Y'all be good and stay safe. All right. Mitchell Williams, everybody. Area director, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Great guy, if you don't know him. Wonderful man and does a heck of a job uh, throughout South Mississippi. Kelly Sanders, speaking of, he'll be next on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Always good to talk to Mitchell Williams. Appreciate him coming on for those first two segments today on the Eagle Hour Thursday edition. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Four Street Bar and Grill. The 8.95 daily lunch being served inside, and everyone shouts. And a great lunch, great people over there. Stop by and uh, grab that eight ninety five lunch with a drink. Check out the nineteen eighty seven NIT poster that we always like to look at <laughs> when we're over at Four Street Bar and Grill. 
Kelly John Sander joins us on the phone now. Kelly, huge news yesterday. The NCAA Division I Council voted to approve voluntary athletic activities for football, men's basketball, and women's basketball on that magic date, June the 1st. Collective sigh of relief, arms in the air, thankful. At least it's it's voluntary, which means uh, that can be a very relative term in collegiate athletics. I uh, have the T-shirt that says that, actually. But it, nevertheless, Kelly, a great uh, a great sign yesterday with the council making that decision. Well, you guys, I, I hate I hate to do it, but I'm going to be that guy again. Um, what you know? What does the NCAA have to lose by saying it's okay? You know what it do, what it does is it thrusts the responsibility on the shoulders of every university president and athletic director. Hmm. So the you know the NCAA, NCAA has nothing to lose by saying you uh, yeah go ahead do what you want you know but because they you know it nothing's going to fall on their shoulders so it's the problem I mean, is going to be falls what, on their shoulders are, anyway. So I'm sorry? I mean, it's just par for the course for the NCAA. It's just par no, for the exactly. course for yeah, them to it, act in their best interest because that's all that happens anyway. You know that exactly. So I mean, it's so it gets again the responsibility gets thrust on the shoulders of the ads and presidents who, and we've talked about this before, about different parts of the country are dealing with this COVID nineteen numbers wise a lot better than others. So you know it, it's voluntary, but I mean, does that mean? As Bob Hoke was saying earlier, this, you know, California's not doing so well. Um, so do they, some of those schools have already shut things down. So what's everybody else going to do? You know? Um, so I think it's, it's certainly worth noting, but I, I just don't think there's a lot of teeth to it. All the schools are going to have to make their own decisions. And that's where the lawsuits are going to end up when they start getting filed around. It's going to be the schools, the coaches, the college presidents. It's not going to be the NCAA. Yeah, because the NCAA will just say, well, we didn't tell them they had to. Right. They made that decision voluntarily. That's correct. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's why they have lawyers, Kelly. That word voluntary is very important when it comes to a lawsuit, right? And don't don't think some of those lawyers would love to work on cases like that. Right. All right. Now, you told us about something else I want to bring up because that fascinated me. You you read an article that just broke today and yes. some of the college baseball coaches, in, including Coach Bianco up at Ole Miss, that we all have a lot of respect for here. They're saying it's time to move the baseball season back and start a little later and play a little more into the summer. I love the idea. Tell our listeners, Kelly. Yeah, it's, it's just breaking on D1.com. Uh, D1 baseball.com that there's there are discussions taking place among primarily the the power five college baseball coaches that that one of the things that COVID-19 has done of course has given a lot of people time to think about the future and how things might be reshaped in just about every aspect of our daily lives not least of which is the college baseball future of uh, of financial sustainability, academic sustainability, and, and here's the deal. I'll try to give you a very complex issue in a very, in a very brief uh, description. The idea being pushed by some of the Power Five schools is to m- move the entire college baseball season back at least a month. As it is now, the college baseball season begins about Valentine's Day, you know, mid, mid-February, somewhere right. in there. They're now... Uh, thinking that maybe it needs to be started more like started more like St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, or even late March, 
continue to play all the way through uh, times when you would normally graduate in May and so on. The conference tournaments would be played around the July 4th holiday, which what would be more American than that, playing college baseball around the 4th of July, baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie, and then play the, the College World Series about the second or third week in July. Here's the thinking, okay? When you see schools like you know, Bowling Green, like Furman, uh, like Central Michigan, and some of these teams that are dropping sports, the northern teams are getting crushed when it comes to college baseball because they can't play because of the weather. They can't play any home games generally, you know, until late March or early April. That's why you see a lot of the teams come through the South here to play Southern Miss and other schools is just to get some of these games in. So from a financial uh, sustainability standpoint, the Northern teams just can't compete. And I think that's a, a fair point. So for them to be financially stable, they've got to be able to play more home games early in the year. That's one of the reasons they want to push it back. But another reason is the academic sustainability. If half of your season is essentially being played after the academic year is over, the athletes can focus more on their grades the first part of the semester and only have the academic burden half of their season rather than the whole season. So it makes road trips uh, you know, less academically strenuous, if you will. And uh, one of the other proposals is, is you know, maybe even starting late and playing fewer games than are on the schedule now. Again, it's all about financial stability and viability going forward, particularly for the northern schools or some of the northern schools that if we don't do this, we're going to have to be forced to cut baseball because it's just costing us too much money. And as we all know that follow college baseball, like the three of us, you play a lot of really uncomfortable games in February. Uncomfortable for the players, uncomfortable for the fans, because a lot of years it's just really too cold to be playing baseball in February. If Bob Getty had a vote, I would vote yes right now. What about you, Luke Johnson? I would vote for the student-athletes, but I think it's an absolute joke that Power 5 schools would complain about money. I think that is an insult to the rest of every program in the country. No, that's a good point. And that's and I mean, I just for Michigan to complain, we're not making enough money. Give me a break, dude. Southern Miss has has one of the littlest athletic budgets in the country, and guess what? We're a top twenty program. So I don't want to hear yeah. that junk. I know I live in Mississippi, and I know sometimes in late January it feels like mid March. But what I'm saying is. If you're gonna if you're gonna make the because that that's the number one thing the student athlete is just thrown onto that in order to swallow up some of the hugeness of the financial stuff they're dealing with. Now, if it's Kent State or a MAC conference or somebody like that, I, I, I get that and I'm all for that. But if Power Five schools are going to drive this train under the guise of well, the student athletes, we care about the student athletes, but their number one gripe is they're not making enough money. They need to look at how much money they really have compared to everybody else. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but but when they when they talk about you know the financial st- sustainability, I don't you know reading the article, I didn't I didn't take it at all as that they themselves were concerned about financial sustainability. It's about the people they play, you know. So so if, well, when's if the Power Five ever been concerned about anybody else other than themselves? Because the Group of Five sure went on behalf of everybody, including the Power Five, with the you know reduction of scholarships and all that. Here's the thing, if they if I'm a if I'm a group of five coach, 
The only way I agree to this, you want to talk about playing politics, but at the same time, you you push the NCAA to increase the number of scholarships. That should directly be tied to any major changes in college baseball. It's not fair for college baseball programs that do make money and do have successful uh, uh financial success it's not fair for them to have to pay for all the other sports that get all the the top scholarships and i know that's all the title nine and that's a whole nother discussion but anything tied to revamping college baseball on any level scholarships in, increasing the number of scholarships it's no questions asked for me well there's not that many schools that there's not that many schools whose baseball programs make money and that's part of the issue is they think that if they push the season back into some warmer months to, so where northern teams can make a little bit you know, more money instead of it becoming a financial burden because as tight as money is going to be going forward, some of these northern schools have just said if we don't do something with college baseball, we may have to, we may have to pull out. And it's right. not the big schools, of course, but I'm just saying some of the smaller schools, and that, that would be a travesty. And back to Bob's point, one of the people that's really pushing this plan particularly of not having college baseball games played in such cold conditions or potentially cold conditions, is the one and only Dr. James Andrews, the orthopedic uh, you know, whiz guy. That That's a factor. Of- There's no question, Kelly. That's a factor. Yeah. you got a kid out there in 40-degree weather at night pitching, throwing 90-mile-an-hour pitches. You, you see how, how quickly they pull them off the mound. So it, uh, I, I just think from a practical standpoint, put the money aside. Luke makes a very good point. I have no sympathy for the Power Five when it comes to anything. And I'm not buying that the SEC is worried about academics first. But what I'm saying is from a practical standpoint, from the, from the comfort of the fan, uh, and I would think, Kelly, from the comfort of the players, avoiding some of that cold weather baseball might be a good thing yes it also it also allows the NCAA basketball tournament to pretty much have its focus and not share the spotlight with right baseball. finish basketball and point. then start that's baseball really that's exactly right finish basketball then start baseball I agree all right when we come back Dak Prescott you're not gonna believe it stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg or online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Go check them out as you uh, plan to get a new ride. Make it a Toyota with Toyota of Hattiesburg. Luke and Bob in Hattiesburg and Laurel in the First Bank Studios. Kelly Sander continues to join us. Uh, Bob, you got a few people maybe excited. You said Dak Prescott. I didn't know if you were going to hang up on Kelly and bring Dak in, but that's not the case. The the subject is (laughs) Dak Prescott. Kelly, uh, Dak Prescott supposedly turning down what would make him the highest-paid quarterback in history, turning down a five-year deal worth $175 million, which would give him a paltry 
$35 million a year in salary to play 16 or 17, possibly more games of football in a four- or five-month span, and he turned it down. What's wrong with him, Kelly? The only thing I can think of, you guys, is he just plain and simply doesn't want to be there. For, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to be in Dallas. Yeah. Now, if, if that's the case, again, that's a hypothesis, but if that's the case, you've got to ask yourself, okay, I don't want to be in Dallas, but am I, do I want to be somewhere else and make not near as much? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't, you know, I hate to admit this, but who doesn't want to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys that plays football and get paid $35 million a year to do it? I mean, come on. Well, I, I mean, to, to the average guy, Bob, you, that's, a, that's a fair question. But I remember, you know, and Brett Favre to this day, I'll say it was really, he was really glad when he got traded to Green Bay because it was a smaller market, um, you know, wasn't under the microscope near as much as, as he would have been in a big city, uh, and that, that he's just not a big city kind of guy. And I don't know. I, it might seem far-fetched to a lot of us, but when you, well, when you are the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, being everything you're doing is – Really under the microscope, as if it isn't enough being a pro athlete. Correct. Um, other than that, I just I can't possibly think as to why he would turn it down. Is this why Andy Dalton was signed by the Cowboys? Here's a quality, proven NFL quarterback that Jerry Jones can say, "Okay, Dak, I've done everything I can do to help you, son. I'm gonna I'm gonna play Andy Dalton, and good luck finding somebody that'll pay you more money than that." Which also leads leads to ask the question: Do the Cowboys know he's going to turn it down? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so as a way to make sure that they've got their nest feathered, they've got a, you know, proven veteran ready to go. Who I think could step right in and do a good job for Dallas, don't you, Kelly? Yeah, he's a, Andy Dalton, is, he's a good quality guy. He's, you know, played at Texas Christian, you know, right up the road there. So uh, he certainly knows the neighborhood, so to speak, certainly knows the NFL. Um, so. I, I just had to think that the Cowboys, because a lot of people remember when they signed Andy Dalton, like, well, why are they right. signing a veteran to be a backup? Well, maybe they weren't. Maybe they knew what was coming. Right. Am I right, since, Luke? That's a little over $2 since, million dollars a game. A game. Since 2011, only six quarterbacks have done these things. 30,000 yards, 200 uh, pass touchdowns, 70 wins. Only six. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, and Andy Dalton. There you go. There is there is a rumor out there now that Dak was possibly wanting in the forty-five million dollar range. That's unfathomable. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. He's not a it, guys. Is Dak Prescott a top ten NFL quarterback? I say no. Well, if he is in the top ten, he's he's certainly in five through ten. Right. No question. I would say eight or probably nine or mainly ten. I mean, think about who you got in front of him. Rodgers, Roethlisberger, Jackson, Mahomes, Breeze, even Brady, Garoppolo, Wilson, Watson. That's not better than any of those. No, no. Uh, Wentz, the kid up in Philadelphia. Very, now very he's good a good quarterback. I mean, he's he's a good quarterback, and and I'm not. This segment is not to berate Dak Prescott, and I'm thankful. Look, when there's a Mississippi kid or somebody that played in Mississippi and they succeed on the professional level, I'm all for it, man. I I, I yeah. like it when 
people that I know he's from Louisiana originally, but when they're when it's a Mississippi kid that played somewhere in Mississippi, I love to see him succeed. This is not a, a Dak smash contest, but at the right. same time, they're making you the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Take it. And they and Kelly, the the biggest thing is they have done big things to bring people in to help him out. Right, right. Yeah, and I was I was actually kind of surprised, and I'm a you know, obviously a Bengal fan. I was surprised, Luke, when you when you just mentioned those stats that Andy Dalton's in such great company as to what quarterbacks have done. Because um, Andy always gets blamed. Well, they never won a playoff game, and that's true. But uh, Dallas has usually had had better tools to use than Cincinnati has. So. Who's to say that? And you know, it'd be it'd be just fitting for Andy Dalton to be the starting quarterback of the Cowboys and then win the Super Bowl. You know, I knew that I mean, was coming. Well, I mean, really, and beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. He, he's a good dude. You know, he's 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 really really a good guy. So, but yeah, I'm I'm glad you made that point because it isn't a bash, Dak. We all like Dak, right? But. Certainly don't understand that move. Well, if Dalton leads the Cowboys to the Super Bowl, we're going to put Kelly on suicide watch, Luke, because he's not going to take that well at all, right? Yeah, I'll be jo- I'll be joining the Bridge Club, jumping next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that wraps us up for the day. We'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock. Everybody, hope you'll join us. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.